This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 courses on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming or DVD and CD. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only... The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including The Decisive Battles of World History. For this limited time 80% offer, please go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us in the Weekly Standard is Fred Barnes. And Fred, it was... uh, some people, you can say a win is a win, but man, what a close call for Speaker of the House John Boehner today among Republicans. No, well, I think he he lost by winning. Uh, he's, he will be Speaker, uh, but this was an embarrassment. It showed that the Republican caucus in the House is not united, that there's still a significant majority, uh, rather minority, that wants to throw its weight around. Uh, and And look, I certainly followed... Uh, how many votes were going to be against Boehner. There were 12 in 2013 after uh, the last, when the last Congress was uh, put together. At this time, there were 25, uh, and that's significant. It's grown, I mean, it wasn't just the, uh, the Louis Gohmerts and, and, uh, and uh, Tim Hulskamp of Kansas and people like that voting against it. There were people like, uh, I like the new uh, Rod Bloom, who's the new, uh, House member from from Iowa, total surprise to the uh, Republican leadership in the House. Uh, you know, 25 votes is a real a real kick in the teeth. If there had been another candidate uh, who had some following and some credibility, uh, no telling what would have happened. And that's one of the interesting things is. Uh, you net, I didn't hear anybody making the case for the other candidates for speaker saying mm-hmm. a vote for them and they'll be able to pull the, the, the caucus together or they've got the smart strategy to take on President Obama or they'll push mm-hmm. on this, you know, this issue versus that. It really seemed to be just a protest vote against either John Boehner or the GOP establishment or both. Well, I think in this case it was uh, John Boehner as the uh, representative of the Republican establishment in Congress. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to broaden it beyond that, uh, but particularly Boehner. You notice there's been no protest movement in the Senate against uh, Mitch McConnell. Uh, why is it Boehner? Well, I think there are a couple of reasons why it's against Boehner. One, Boehner is the worst uh, uh, messenger that Republicans have. He can't... Uh, uh, put together a good, strong anti-Obama message uh, that Republicans, uh, particularly the most conservative ones, rally around. Uh, and uh, he's also been put in a position to uh, where he's had to negotiate uh, with the White House, with Obama. Uh, and while Mitch McConnell is a very good negotiator, and Obama's a terrible negotiator, I'm afraid Boehner is more like uh, Obama than he is like McConnell. Not a good negotiator, and and really... Uh, when he does a negotiated deal, he can't really explain it and justify it uh, uh, very well, including the most recent one, uh, the budget agreement in the lame duck session of Congress last year. You know, it's interesting because there were some nuggets in the so-called cromnibus, as it's called, mm-hmm. uh, for example, getting rid of the uh, guarantee for insurance companies to get 
taking made whole if they lose money on Obamacare mm-hmm. and some other yep. things. And, you know, I do this for a living. I do talk radio for a living. I do this for a living. <laughs> I didn't even know about that. It really is the case that uh, John Boehner seems to make it easier to see the failures than to see the victories, even though they might be lying side by side. You know, very well put. I think that's exactly right. Uh, as it turned out, I thought uh, that the budget deal uh, that Republicans got uh, negotiated by John Boehner and Harry Reid in the Senate was better than I expected, for one thing, and better particularly because, remember, this was the former Congress where you had the Senate in Democratic hands. You still had Obama uh, as president, of course, but two out of three uh, were controlled by Democrats. I didn't think Republicans were going to get much of anything, and they got that uh, and and any number of other things that were packed into the uh, uh, packed into that bill, most of which. Uh, we didn't hear about, but there was this uh, change in uh, which seemed like a small change, although the left was furious about it, this change in the Dodd-Frank bill, which having talked to Mitch McConnell about it, he regarded that as the first of many writers that are anti-Obamacare and anti-Dodd-Frank that he will put in spending bills in 2015. Well, uh, one of the things I heard today was uh, kind of a frustration with rank-and-file Republicans saying this whole fight is a waste of time unless you have a mm-hmm. substitute, you know, someone to step in to take the job. Why are we wasting time on a uh, you know, on losing a vote over the Speaker of the House when you could get this done quickly, no drama, no press coverage, just make him the Speaker and then go straight to passing Keystone XL, passing the uh, end of the medical sales device you know, tax, mm-hmm. the, the medical device tax, passing the end of the individual mandate. So many great places where Republicans can unify to fight. Is mm-hmm. Are we seeing these divisions just as kind of the... You know, the result of having such a large Republican caucus, historically speaking, and you're going to have some cranky people on the outs, or are we going to continually see factional fighting get in the way of the kind of partisan battle that can help one side beat the other? You know, this uh, I don't I, I don't think that's a good enough excuse uh, for them. I I think uh, this effort against Obama was very self indulgent on the part of uh, one that small you know ten or eleven twelve a hardcore conservative faction and those who join them. No good could come of it. It's not going to help uh, Republicans uh, win uh, votes uh, on, on the issues that you mentioned and on uh, on putting these uh, riders in spending bills that uh, uh, Mitch McConnell talks about. Very self-indulgent. I think when you go to Congress, you have to realize that, well, you know, I'd like to do, I'd like to vote any way I want because my views are so important. But you also have to accept the fact that you're joining a team you know, Congress uh, and legislatures are team sports, you know, and, and you want your team to win. And if you do things that make that harder, uh, then I think you're often being self-indulgent. Now, look, there are votes where, where people who've spent their career uh, uh, fighting this or that, or it's a vote of conscience, that's different. But just on a routine basis to be anti-leadership uh, in the House, for instance, I think is uh, extremely uh, self-indulgent and harmful to Republicans. But it also reflects a broader mood, and you can see this both in Republican politics and national politics. In fact, international politics, you see it in Europe and Greece right now, that there is Mm -hmm. this kind of, we had a crisis and we turned to the experts who are telling us all the time we know how to govern you, and they haven't done a very good job in the post-crisis of governance. And there's just a general throw the people in charge out 
feel that I think you see reflected both in the Tea Party part of the Republican Party, but also in the country as a whole. Is there a win here for the Republicans being the go in and break up the elitist monopoly and, you know, and, and, and get the, you know, the, the voice of the people into a position of power that is part of a bigger story? And this is just a maybe an unpleasant, cranky side effect of that larger positive uh, trend. Well, you may be right about that. That's certainly the optimistic view. Uh, I'm not sure I share it entirely, but but it could happen. Uh, I mean, look, what somehow this a small group of conservatives, particularly in the House, that seems to think that when you when you won the election, uh, the midterm election in 2010, overwhelmingly, that mean that meant you could get whatever you wanted in Washington, even though the Democrats still control the White House and the Senate. Same thing again smashing Republican victory in 2014. So when was the first uh, a chance when they, when these folks thought they could do something, and this includes Ted Cruz and Mike Lee in the Senate, was it was the lame duck session. Except in the lame duck session, the Democrats were still basically in control. My view was what they should have done is said, hey, let's get out of this lame duck session as soon as possible, uh, doing as little harm as we can to ourselves, and let's get to uh, January, when the new session of Congress, where we're in control of all of Congress, uh, happens, and, and then see what we can do. This is the real test for Republicans now, uh, what they can do. You know, they can't stop Obama from uh, vetoing bills, but they can sure put him on his desk. And that brings me to the kind of where we are right now going forward. I, I want to rise in defense of the cranky no votes, if I can for a second, Fred. And the theory goes like this. You tell me to follow this general into places I don't want to go, but if that general brings me victories, and if we see us moving forward, then I say, okay, I didn't, I didn't want to come to Sicily. I thought it was a dumb idea, but I get it now. I get where we're going. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of confidence in the Republican leadership. Setting, set aside ideology, set aside you know amnesty votes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. There's not a lot of confidence in the game plan. In other words, I don't mm-hmm. know that a lot of of, uh, of small government republic uh, conservatives look at the Boehner team and say, "This is a team that a year, year and a half, two years from now is going to have taken us through with clever, smart, using the rules to our advantage, showing the Democrats were smarter than them." You know, kind of strategies to get us forward. Boehner's leadership doesn't seem to be that strong. He doesn't seem to have a plan. Therefore, why not vote against him? Because he's not going to get that much done anyway. Is that a fair criticism of where the Republican Party is today? Yeah, I think that is a fair criticism. I think it's incumbent on on Boehner and Mitch McConnell in the Senate to show that they can achieve enough, that they can do things that can satisfy uh, most Republicans, even the most conservative ones now, and encourage them to think of what they can do if a Republican is in the White House come January 20, 2017. Now, they haven't done anything to do that yet. I mean, to inspire that kind of confidence. But I think particularly after this vote uh, on the speakership uh, today, it's incumbent upon Boehner in particular to begin to inspire that. And, uh, and Mitch McConnell, too. You know, Mitch McConnell's been a very effective minority leader. Now the test is, can he be a very effective majority leader? I think he can, but... But he has to prove it to the Republican Party and, and the rest of the country. Uh, one last question. The, there's a lesson here for the small government conservatives when it comes to 2016, which is if you're divided going into the primaries, you're going to make it easier for a Jeb Bush establishment guy to win. And if you don't offer somebody better than what the 
the mm-hmm. establishment is offering. In other words, you can't expect people to follow if you're offering Herman Cain and you know mm. whatever Newt Gingrich 2012. Yeah. You got to give right. them something better. If conservatives learn those lessons, which is find a strong candidate and rally behind him early, can they keep the party from doing what they've done so often since 1992, which is nominate an establishment guy without much of a chance? Or are the conservatives always going to stay so fractious that they essentially hand the nomination over to the establishment, you know, Boehner, McConnell, Jeb Bush team? Yeah, that, that they probably will remain so, so <laughs> fractious. <laughs> they always have. And uh, But the difference in 2016, there is a great array of conservative candidates with great records that are governors. They're not just... Uh, uh, loudmouths in Congress or some state legislature. There are people like Scott Walker uh, of, of Wisconsin, the governor there. I think uh, in uh, in uh, Ohio, uh, uh, John Kasich, Kasich, the governor there, may run in, and others, uh, uh, conservatives with impressive records, although there's some people who are a little dubious about con- uh, Kasich's uh, conservative record in Ohio. But in any case, I think that can be overcome. Uh, and But particularly, <laughs> but I don't think that entry of Mike Huckabee in the presidential race really helps because he'll, you know, it helps that to happen, to get uh, an effective conservative, whether establishment, if you want to call him that or not, uh, uh, nominated. Huckabee comes in and he'll, he's not going to win the presidential nomination for the Republicans, but he can take away votes from other people who might uh, win the presidency, I think. So, look, it's going to be a mess, but it'll be a better mess than in 2012 when, uh, you know, I saw every one of those debates. You probably did too. You right. know, and to think this was the this is the Republican Party. Uh, for heaven's sakes, uh, we'll see a, a completely different group. A group now. Uh, there's some you won't like. Uh, there's some you will. But it'll be so much better. And it'll be. And there will be a half a dozen, I think, really impressive candidates to, to, to choose from. And and most of them will be people who are not the uh, movement conservatives, but people with with really strong. Uh, uh, records and people I'd consider conservatives, but they're conservatives who've had to make uh, a compromise with reality once they are in office. Yeah, and I think the the message for the establishment candidates, the Bush, Jeb Bushes, uh, and if Mitt or whatever want, you know, want to get in, is mm-hmm. you've got to show that there can be success for conservatives by backing yeah. you, that they'll get something they want. Whereas the message for the movement conservatives is you've got to show that you've got somebody who's got the political chops, the political skills to put a winning team together and go out and win. And so we'll see how those two lines converge in 2015. Fred Barnes, thanks so much Mm -hmm. for your time on this podcast. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.